From interviews and investing to careers and credit, we've got you covered. WalletWatch is a podcast brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. We'll be interviewing industry experts, sharing personal stories, and even playing some fun games. Delivering financial topics in an enjoyable and interesting way. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica. And I'm Amanda. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back, Wallet Watch listeners. We're here with another episode in season nine. I'm one of your hosts, Amanda. And I'm Jessica. We're so happy you're here. We are podcast hosts and we're also financial educators. Today, we are going to focus on preparing to make large purchases. I think this is a really good topic to talk about, Amanda because we have a lot of young professionals that tune into our podcast or maybe just recent college grads that tune into our podcast. And when you get into the workforce or start your career, a lot of times that's when we start preparing for some of these bigger purchases in life, like maybe a new car, your first home, those kind of big purchases. So I think this is going to be a great topic to talk about today to get our listeners ready for those big purchases they're going to have in life. I agree. And I think especially if you're someone who hasn't been taught to create a savings habit, or if you're someone who's been told not to get into a lot of debt and not to rely on credit, it can be really confusing to figure out how to navigate making those larger purchases when you've been getting maybe confusing messages throughout your life. I agree. I think one thing we should start with opening this episode is debunking a myth. I know you and I hear a lot when we're out in the community that individuals think that they don't need credit to make large purchases in life. You know, they want to pay for things in cash. And I know you and I have a really good conversation with people that we work with out in the community of you can't go get a mortgage on a house and have absolutely no credit. And, you know, maybe there are individuals out there that have that privilege to be able to pay for everything in cash. But when you really think about it and you think about the housing economy, how long would it take someone if they didn't have that privilege of having you know, generational wealth or their family being able to afford and help pay for a house, how long would it take to save up for $300,000 to buy a small home right now? Probably 30 years, as much as it would take (laughs) to pay the mortgage off. Yeah. And I'm excited to continue talking about this topic today, Jess. Me too, Amanda. All right, Jess. So the first question I have for you, if we're thinking about these bigger purchases that majority of individuals have in their life, you know, purchasing a vehicle, maybe purchasing a home, maybe a vacation home, what are some of the things that you can do to prepare your credit right away for that larger purchase later in life? Sure. I think that's a great question, Amanda. I think first things first is making sure that any loans or credit cards that you have are current, keeping your balances low on your credit cards. I have even seen mortgage loan officers tell individuals if they don't, if they've never had a loan or they never had a credit card, 
is to get a credit card, use it for about six months, put small purchases on it every single month, pay the balance off in full every single month for about six months to generate a good score, and then think about looking at getting that pre-approval for that home. I think the next big piece of that as well is do not apply for any new loans or lines of credit six months before you want to make that big purchase. Now, I know that sounds a little contradicting to what we just said, but if you are somebody who's never had a student loan, a personal loan, a car loan, a credit card, you have to start somewhere. So sometimes that means opening up that credit card or a loan six months prior to. But for those individuals who maybe have had some credit, maybe you've had an auto loan, maybe you currently have a credit card that you've utilized, but staying away from applying for any other type of loan or credit card at least six months before you want to make that big purchase, especially when it comes to a home. I did hear a story from a mortgage loan officer that individuals came in, they applied for a loan, they got their pre-approval, It was getting to be closing day. They thought everything was good to go. They went out and they opened a credit card during the time of when the loan was being finalized for their mortgage for furniture and went and bought like $5,000 worth of furniture. And closing day comes and they rerun their credit and it made their debt to income too high and they were no longer approved for their mortgage. I think from that story, it really comes down to planning for when you're going to open up credit cards and loans in your life. And it can be very similar to the work that you do in creating your spending plan, like knowing, all right, this is what I have in my spending plan. This is what I have in my budget to spend. In three months from now, I'll have a little money extra saved up and then I'm going to apply for that loan. Or maybe even thinking about that for a couple years, knowing that in a couple years, I'm going to get myself in the position where I'm ready to apply for that mortgage. For sure. And I think taking a moment to think about when you are making some of these big purchases in life, that they all don't have to come at once. You don't need a brand new house and a brand new car and brand new furniture and all of those things, right? Unless you have money saved up or money set aside for that, you know, kind of easing into some of those bigger purchases. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about purchasing vehicles because a vehicle purchase can really vary. And for some individuals, it might be a larger purchase and some individuals, it might be not as large of a purchase. And it really depends on your situation in life and where you're at. And I can speak a little bit to my experience purchasing vehicles. I know when I was in college, my first vehicle I think I only paid like $4,000 for it. So it wasn't really that large of a vehicle purchase. And I did get a loan and I, you know, paid it off fairly quickly. But for some people, you know, as you get into your career and you're starting to make more money, your dream vehicle might be something that you want to purchase. So I think the first step is really researching out the make and the model of the vehicle. What do you want? What are those vehicles being priced out for? Thinking about how much can I afford to buy a vehicle for? And then once you have that goal, figuring out, okay, do I want to get a loan for the vehicle to pay for it in full? Do I want to save some money and have a down payment so that my loan monthly payment isn't as expensive? 
And then I think one of the last steps is figuring out how your car insurance is also going to be impacted. That was a big shocker for me when I paid a little bit more. I switched from driving a car to driving a truck and I didn't really realize that my car insurance was going to be a little bit more. And if I would have taken the time to research that out, my budget wouldn't have been so tight or it wouldn't have been such a shock to me that it was going to be tight. Yes, that is one conversation that I have with a lot of individuals who talk to me about car loans. As I always say, you can take the VIN number, you can call your car insurance company and they can run a quote and tell you what that vehicle is going to cost you. Because sometimes you find the perfect vehicle on the lot, you test drive it, it's perfect, but maybe you don't realize that's identified as more of a sports vehicle than it is like a, just a regular old sedan. SUVs, is there's so many things that go into play. They look at the year of the vehicle. They look at what's the cost of it to replace it if it were in to be in an accident. So definitely checking that out because you don't want to go to the dealership, get all pre-approved for your loan through your bank or your credit union. You are ready to go and purchase this vehicle. And then when you call to put insurance on it, you go, yikes, I don't have enough money in my budget to pay my car payment and my car insurance. One more thing I want to talk about when it comes to purchasing a vehicle, especially if you are utilizing a loan to make that purchase, is something called gap coverage or gap insurance. Yeah, that's an amazing product. A lot of people don't realize that once they drive a vehicle off the lot after they purchase it, it decreases in value. If you were to drive that vehicle off the lot and get into an accident and let's say your car insurance, let's say you bought the car for $20,000, but your car insurance company says it's only worth $15,000. So that's going to leave you a $5,000 gap that you're still going to have to pay on a vehicle you don't have to drive. Gap insurance or gap coverage is a really cool product because if you were to drive it off the lot, you got into an accident. It's $20,000 you just bought the car for. The car insurance says it's valued at $15,000. That gap coverage is going to come in and it's going to cover that other $5,000 so you are free and clear from the loan. I have actually had to utilize gap coverage and it was incredible. Just, you know, going, getting into accident and having to deal with that and then not having a vehicle, it's very stressful. So... Just knowing that the loan was paid for because I had opted into this was incredible. So if you already have a vehicle, reach out to your financial institution, especially if you have a loan on it, and see if this is something that you can add. If you're looking at purchasing a new vehicle in the near future, look at what gap is being offered. And usually it's a really small affordable amount that you can just add onto your loan, increases your monthly payment, and it's definitely worth it. For sure. Some gap coverage or gap insurance um, will also sometimes offer money for you as a down payment on a new vehicle if you were to get into an accident and your car was totaled, which is pretty cool. So Amanda, we've talked about how to prepare. We've talked about kind of vehicle loans. I'd like to jump in and talk a little bit about home and mortgages, because I think that's another really big purchase that people make in life. 
And I know just purchasing my first home a little over a year ago, it was a huge learning experience. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is that when you purchase a home, you know, going through that process of the mortgage, getting your credit ready for that, applying, getting that house. I don't think people always think about all the other purchases and how being a homeowner is going to change your monthly spending plan versus when you are just renting, or it could even be moving from a smaller home into a larger home. Like what kind of impact will that have? What other purchases are going to be impacted in that monthly budget? For sure. I think one of the biggest ones is, you know, this is kind of pre-purchasing the home, but it's saving for that down payment, right? You're going to have closing costs. You're going to have a down payment, a lot of that. I think the other one also is an emergency fund. I think the biggest factor that people forget about when they go from renting to owning is that you no longer have a maintenance man. If the water heater goes out, guess who's responsible? You are. But you know, if the refrigerator breaks, you can't just call maintenance and have them come bring you a new one. You are responsible for purchasing that. So having that little bit of an emergency fund or that cushion becoming a homeowner, I think is really huge. I think the other thing that's similar to that when you are in an apartment is some of the utilities might be included in your rent or if you're in a smaller apartment, you might not be paying as much in utilities versus when you get that larger square footage in a home, that's going to change. And then I also think too about depending on where you live, what utility companies you have to work with. Maybe there's maybe you're just paying for heat in an apartment, but then when you move into a house, you're gonna have to pay for gas and electricity and water. And trash sometimes too, is I think one to think about in there as well. And I think it's, a lot of people don't realize when you are out shopping for homes, you can actually ask the realtor and the realtor can pull like what the utilities kind of run in the house. And obviously will that be different from family to family? because we all utilize utilities and stuff differently, but then that can kind of give you a baseline of what utilities run at that house or what utilities you're responsible for paying. Yeah, I think that's a really great idea of similar to purchasing a vehicle, doing your research beforehand with that home and thinking not only about like the price of the home, but also researching out what are the people in this neighborhood paying for utilities and then Another thing that is new and added to is taxes, right? Yeah, property taxes are huge. Most of the time when a house is for sale, the property taxes are listed on there of what the current homeowner pays. And you should always expect to have your property tax increase when you purchase the home, especially if the homeowners have lived there for quite some time. When a new purchase happens in the state of Michigan, they go through, they relook at the value of your home. And depending also on where you're living, that can definitely increase your property taxes. Okay, so we've got a lot of things that are pretty much guaranteed to change or shift when you're preparing to buy that home or you get into that home. What are some other extra things that maybe you might purchase with buying a home or maybe you might be able to spread out a little bit. One of the first big ones for us was a lawnmower. We went from renting and we didn't have to do any type of maintenance care to moving into a place where we needed to buy a lawnmower. And quite honestly, 
um, when we moved into our house a year ago, we couldn't find a lawnmower anywhere. <laughs> they just didn't have them in the store. I don't know if it was just from everything moving through the pandemic, which we finally got one. But yeah, you don't think about like a lawnmower or a leaf blower or rakes or shovels or like that kind of stuff to do like just some of the outdoor landscaping that comes with owning a home. Yeah. So most of our listeners, you know, we live in Michigan. So we experience all four seasons, which come with different things we have to do for our lawn. So I think on the flip side of that, yeah, in the summer, we've got to mow or you have to pay extra money to have someone come and do that. But also, Jess, how do you feel about shoveling your driveway in the winter? I do not love it. Um, we are super thankful we ended up finding a snowblower, a used one for like a really good deal. And that was one of the best investments because the first winter in our home, I remember a couple of times we got like 13 inches of snow dumped on us. And yeah, I did not want to shovel that. And so I'm super thankful that we had a snowblower to get out there and take care of majority of that snow. But yeah, you definitely don't think about that stuff. Another cost or something that to think about when you're purchasing a home is our home came with an irrigation system. So yes, we have the option to turn it on or turn it off, but with an irrigation system, so our water bill goes up in the summertime because we water the lawn a little bit. Then there is the added cost from the irrigation company to come and turn your sprinkler system on or turn your sprinkler system off. So that was something we didn't really honestly realize we had until the irrigation company called us and was like, hey, we're coming to turn your sprinklers on. I was like, I don't even think I knew we had sprinklers. So (laughs) I think too, uh, furniture could be another expense. And that might be something that you don't necessarily have to pay for or plan for right up front. But eventually, maybe you want to update or upgrade the furniture that you have or purchase more furniture. And That can be done with either of the methods that we've been talking about, creating that savings plan and saving that money up or utilizing credit in a responsible way. What about appliances? Did you have to purchase those or were those in the home that you purchased already? That's a really great question. So the home that we purchased, all of our appliances were there. All of the appliances were actually brand new. So something that's really cool when you are in the process of buying a home is when you have that inspection done, the inspector comes through and tells you the shape of the appliances and stuff. Because there's sometimes there's even added warranties that you can add for like the first year or two just to ensure that if an appliance were to break, it's covered and it'll be replaced and it's not a cost you need to come out of pocket with. So we have been very blessed in the purchase that we made that all of our appliances have been great. We've had no issues. Jess, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. What would be your main key takeaway from the conversation that we've had? Sure. I think one of the biggest key takeaways for me is just knowing that we do need credit and how to understand how to utilize it responsibly to put yourself in a good position so you can make these larger purchases in life. What about you, Amanda? What's one of your key takeaways from our conversation today? I think 
The key takeaway for me is that it takes a lot of planning and that making larger purchases is all about having that timeline and doing all the little things to prepare for when the actual large purchase happen. And then other little half key takeaway, I guess. I really like what you said about having an emergency plan too, an emergency fund, because sometimes we can't plan for everything. So having that habit and creating that emergency fund will help you be able to continue to use your credit responsibly and not having to rely on credit every time an emergency happens because you have money set aside in an established account for those emergency situations. I could not agree more. Well, thank you for tuning in today, Wallet Watch listeners. We will look for you on our next episode. And now it's time for the CU Spotlight. At MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union, we are always looking for ways to educate individuals on the importance of smart money management. WalletWatch is one of the great ways that we are able to do that. But we also have additional resources that you are able to utilize for free. Financial 4.0 is a free app and website that offers users access to their own personalized budget tracker, financial quizzes, published articles, weekly tips, and so much more. It's a fun and interactive way to learn about money and take control of your finances. If you are interested in learning more, visit www.financial40.org or find us in your app store by searching Financial 4.0 for MSU or Financial 4.0 for OU. Wallet Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Amanda Khan and me, Jessica Rubio. Our executive producers are Ariana Saldana and Susie Elkins. Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our credit union's website, financial40.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.